Oh man, I trying to think what voice I did for this guy. Uh, I know I did like a I'm walking here. Yeah, yeah you did a walk in here, uh, Jared. You did a you did a pretty similar to my to my stay a while and listen voice. So, oh no 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 no. Um, because when I did the goblin, I was doing like a Mark Hamill Joker here, and yeah. it ended up. And then we were like, oh, that's the same voice that you were doing. So you're also doing Mark Hamill Joker. Oh yeah. Okay, I think. I think I remember what I was doing. Welcome to Basically Tall Tales, the collaborative short story podcast featuring tales you can basically call tall. My name's Todd. I'm Jared. And I'm Adam. Each week, one of our writers will write one-third of a story before handing it off to the next writer to either continue or finish. The first writer will get to choose whatever genre they want to write in, and the other two will just have to deal with it. Today we have a story by me, Todd, with the final chapter of a story. Make sure to rate, comment, and subscribe for more stories each week, because we're always writing more comedy stories, and your social media interaction keeps us going. Without further ado, here we go. This story is called, What's in a Second Name? Frosh the Backstabber, Sparkles the Misleading, and an elf who no one cared to ask the name of... (laughs) (laughs) ...found themselves in a real pickle. They'd summoned a dead god in hopes of saving the world, but might have accidentally doomed all of humanity. And mice. But seemingly not mice-manatee, which Frosh was beginning to suspect wasn't even a real thing. (laughs) (laughs) As the gargantuan and terrifying avatar of Splurge, devourer of mice and men, disappeared over the horizon... (laughs) Sparkles, the misleading, clapped his overgrown, gnarled hands together in mock applause. (laughs) Job well done, everyone. Let's go home. So, about that whole killing all mice and men, Frosh the backstabber began. I can't help but feel like this wasn't supposed to happen. Like, I've been led astray. Sparkles, the misleading, shrugged. This is certainly an unforeseen development. The elf, who hasn't introduced himself properly, finally worked up the nerve to join the conversation. Can we define what splurge meant by men? Like, do elves count? The elf asked. You definitely might, (laughs) Frosh replied helpfully. Okay, but how about women and children? Elvish doesn't really differentiate between the genders, but I know how weird you common-speaking humans are. You're looking for a way to weasel out of helping. It's a legitimate question. The elf began turning red. Why are humans always so concerned with low testosterone and the decline of Western culture? Suddenly... The anachronistic little spat between the human and elf was interrupted by the spirit of Tulog the Vague. (laughs) Silence, you fools! I, Tulog the Vague, have arrived to lead you to your destiny. (laughs) Tulog, you made it! You finished painting that fence! The translucent spirit floated ever so slightly off the ground in front of them and his ghost robe was splattered with white paint. (laughs) I may have, Frosh, but promises are often broken. (laughs) Tulag wiggled his fingers to insinuate mystery. I sure hope you did, Frosh said concerned. That trader was awfully nice to exchange a whole bag of jerky on the promise that a ghost would paint his fence. (laughs) Your journey 
Tulag interrupted. Your journey <laughs> is not yet over. The world is still in peril. That much is obvious, said the elf. Tulog spun around. Whoa, who the hell is that? <laughs> That's the elf. Every adventuring party has an elf, Sparkles said matter-of-factly. <laughs> Tulog eyed so the true. elf up and down, <laughs> not even trying to hide his overwhelming disdain. <laughs> Does it have a name? Yes, the elf stuttered. Tulog sighed very deeply. <laughs> Was that the sound of the very possibility of someday having any respect for me audibly leaving your body? <laughs> uh, I think it was. <laughs> Tulag looks surprised with the astuteness of the observation, but not impressed. It's a sound I'm very familiar with. Anyway, if you still care to know, my name is Prolabstanus. <laughs> but since that's too long, you'll probably just want to call me a Stan. Or maybe just say hey while looking directly at me if you want to get my attention. <laughs> <laughs> Can we move on with the conversation now, Stan? Tulag asked, annoyed. <laughs> Stan really could have just introduced himself the first time Tulag asked who he was, but some people have to let their social anxiety dominate the whole fucking conversation when it would be so much easier to just be normal. Just be normal. <laughs> Is that so hard? You guys get it. You're cool. Uh, it is hard. No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Tulag raised his arms above his head to get back into character. One of you will betray the group. It sparkles. Stan and Frosh said in unison. Damn it. I thought if I gathered more adventuring party members, it would be less obvious when he said that. Sparkles stomped his foot and huffed. <laughs> Wizards, each have their role to play in shaping the fate of this world, Sparkles. And you have done your part admirably. What do you mean? It's his fault Splurge is going to kill all humans, mice, <laughs> and potentially elves. Frosh pleaded. <laughs> the kingdoms must be united, Tulug went on. What kingdoms? Sparkles interjected. Why must you always be so vague? There are only two, Frosh said unamused. <laughs> and besides, Splurge has such a head start on us, we'll never be able to mount any kind of united defense in time. Tulog the Vague refused to elaborate and disappeared. <laughs> okay, now what? Sighed an exasperated-looking Stan. Ask for help, came a voice on the wind, which was then followed by another very long sigh. Ugh. That's it, Stan said with a sudden look of realization. That sigh, that's the sigh of someone expecting me to do something that I should have done already. What do you mean? Ask for help. I shall ask the Griffins to carry us. Nothing is faster than a griffin. With their help, we'll get to the kingdom's leaders before Splurge. Maybe we'll even have enough time to organize a proper defense. With that, Stan began to mumble an elvish prayer, and two griffins swooped down from the sky. They each bowed their head before Frosh and Stan, ready to be mounted. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulously done, Master Elf. Sparkles slapped Stan on the back. With that, you've earned your second name. Stan the Animal Whisperer. Just one more griffin for me. No way! The elf responded. You can't come with us. You misled us. And does that have to be my second name? Being able to speak to animals is like the bare minimum for being an elf. You can't just leave me here. You're on my side here, right, Frosh? Yeah, Frosh admitted. <laughs> it would be pretty messed up. Besides, it's really on us for allowing Sparkles the misleading to lead us along like he did. 
We know better now, so he's not really a danger anymore. <laughs> Just don't listen to anything he says. And so it was determined that the best course of action was to unite the kingdoms against Splurge. Sparkles and Stan shared a griffin, and Frosh mounted the other. Frosh was flown south to Gorehub Castle, the seat of power for the entire human realm. While on his flight to Gorehub, Frosh passed Splurge in a large field next to a river. The god seemed to have decided that he would begin his annihilation of mice and men, beginning with the mice, but <laughs> was having trouble catching them in his newly gigantified form. <laughs> as the tiny mice slipped between his enormous fingers. Frosh and his griffin just flew on by without saying anything. <laughs> Spotting his griffin from the outer curtain of Gorehub, the knights on guard duty treated Frosh to a royal welcome. It's not every day a mere human is allowed to mount such a regal creature. Knights <laughs> extended every courtesy and assisted Frosh down from his mount. They bowed and kissed his forehead, because that's how men show each other courtesy in this particular fantasy land. <laughs> hmm. Frosh had never been treated so well in his life, and enjoyed his newfound status. Before meeting with the king, the knights asked if he was hungry. Though Frosh knew he was short on time, he really wanted to see what kind of food rich people ate. And <laughs> Splurge looked like he would be busy for a while with those mice, so, like, why not? Frosh's jaw dropped at what he was served. There was breaded and fried baby cow meat cutlets with a thick sauce of mushrooms, served with boiled cabbage, pickled beets, warm <laughs> bread, and onion jam. The meat was served on a bed of mashed turnips thick with butter. He'd of course had boiled cabbage before, usually as a main course, but somehow even that was elevated by the mere presence of the foods it was paired with. <laughs> After his meal, Frosh was bathed in hot water for the Are first the time in his life. Irish. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> uh, this this is the human realm, though. So yeah. I don't know. Some yeah. humans are Irish, I guess. <laughs> uh, After his meal, Frosh was bathed in hot water for the first time in his life. He was asked if he would prefer male or female servants to bathe him, and he panicked and <laughs> said male because he didn't want to make it weird for the servants. Like, when you go to the doctor and they want to check your balls, and you know it's not supposed to be a sexual thing, so asking for a female doctor kind of makes it weird, right? <laughs> anyway, when the male servants arrived and made it clear that, yeah, this was actually explicitly a sexual thing, Frosh excused himself and got dressed. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Finally. Frosh was presented to King Rudy the Pragmatic. The king rose from his chair, and as he did, so did all other members of the court. Nobles, merchants, and foreign dignitaries all went silent and expectantly looked on as the king welcomed his guest. I, King Rudy the Pragmatic, do verily bid thee welcome, traveler. Thou must have come bearing news of great importance to have been carried by Griffin, our state bird, to my court this day. Now tell me, be thee wizard, bearer of prophecy, or perhaps a warrior poet, with many great feats of heroism to regale us with. Frosh, still riding high off the royal treatment he'd received so far, puffed out his <laughs> chest and spoke from the diaphragm so his voice would carry to those in the back. I am Frosh. The sudden silence was palpable. King Rudy's broad smile slowly faded, as it became apparent that Frosh had said everything he intended to say. Okay, and please go on. Have you any business with the court? Anything to offer or request? Are you going to tell us your second name? Anything? Well, some people call me the backstabber. But forget about that. I have important information. Dire news, in fact. <laughs> Wonderful. Perchance, thou may tell us eventually. The dead god splurged the devourer of mice and men <laughs> has been reborn. The world is doomed. The king leaned back in his throne and laughed. Truly, then, thou art the guy. 
the descendant of Franklin the Mouse Summoner. Yeah, I guess. I was tricked by two logs to vague, and Sparkles the misleading. <laughs> I thought Splurge was going to stop an invasion of Northern Mice Men. The whole court burst into laughter. Someone yelled, Get a load of this guy! He believes in Mice Men! I'm going to pee my pants! Others began applauding from amusement. Forsooth! That beeth some of the funniest shite I've ever heard. And I commissioned Jeffrey Josser to write the Wankerberry Tales for the culture. <laughs> the Wankerberry Tales. Yeah. How was that funny? He's gonna kill all humans. Boy, just because he says he's going to kill all humans doesn't mean he actually can. How big was this god, by thine reckoning? Bigger than the big beautiful walls of Gorehub? Frosh thought about it, and realized that Splurch was maybe the size of a pretty big tree, but <laughs> wouldn't come anywhere near the height of the Gorehub castle walls. Sure, Splurge might not pose any threat to your castle, but what about the villagers, the farmers, and everyone else outside the walls? Splurge would stomp all over them. <laughs> Fuck them! came a young female-sounding voice, <laughs> is what he would say if he felt like being honest. You were grounded, missy, the king shouted back. Go back to your room and stay there, Princess Colin the Rebellious. Suck a unicorn horn, old man. <laughs> Princess Colin launched herself into a somersault and landed between Frosh and the king. She wore tight black leather pants and a crop top revealing her washboard abs. She brandished a rapier and pointed it at the king. He's the one who ordered the resurrection of Splurge. His wizards, Sparkles and Tulog, were sent to find Franklin's descendant and then use them to initiate a purge of the common folk. He's a monster and a doo-doo head and he loves sucking <laughs> unicorn horns. That's <laughs> <laughs> a bit of vulgarity that just has come out of nowhere. All right. <laughs> sucking unicorn horns. <laughs> and he loves sucking unicorn horns. Oh, uh, man. I almost made it through the whole read. Oh, well. <laughs> I think it's better when you don't. <laughs> we'll see how it sounds. Frosh and Princess Colin were swiftly surrounded by men with pikes. Frosh drew his own short sword and held it out in front of himself like that would do anything. I'm panicking. I don't want to fight. Who are you and why is this happening? <laughs> Frosh felt weak at his knees and like he was about to throw up. The princess, though significantly shorter than Frosh, stood back to back with him in a defensive posture. We can handle them. They're no match for us. We have justice on our side. <laughs> Frosh was not convinced that being on the morally correct side necessarily guaranteed victory. <laughs> princess Colin unleashed a flurry of lightning-fast jabs at the knights in front of her. She deflected their pikes and managed to gain ground slowly taking steps towards the exit. Frosh matched her steps while walking backwards and doing his best to hold back the knights in front of him, though he was mostly just swinging blindly. Ha-ha! Soon we'll be free! Just a few steps more. You and I will warn the small folk and bring them to safety behind castle walls! Princess Colin jabbed and deflected, and for some reason kept doing little twirls and shouting, Huzzah! and have at you. <laughs> Please just focus on getting us out of here, and stop trying so hard to look cool. Princess Colin the Rebellious, not one who took to being told what to do, did another twirl out of spite and instinct. She hadn't regained her footing since her last spin, however, and accidentally bumped into Frosh, knocking his sword flying from his hand. The sword flew over the heads of the surrounding knights, bounced off a chandelier, and finally stopped after lodging itself directly into King Rudy's chest. Every member of the court gasped. The knights all dropped their pikes <laughs> and ran to be by their king's side. I am slain. King Rudy said, very pragmatically. 
Now he's Frost the Front Stabber. (laughs) (laughs) The king wouldn't have wanted his rebellious daughter to mourn his death, so Princess Colin began to weep. (laughs) My father, she began, is now sucking unicorn horn in hell. (laughs) And I mourn the man he could have been. Colin brushed past the knights and threw her father's body to the floor. The knights scrambled to lift the body and carry it off stage. The actor playing the king <laughs> held his breath and looked very realistically dead. Are they actually at a renaissance fair now? <laughs> like... <laughs> I don't know why I wrote that line. <laughs> it works. <laughs> He could have stopped this cycle of summoning giant rat-eating gods and purging villagers and farmers when our kingdom grows too large to support the population. But he chose the coward's route. Colin sat on her father's throne, and no one there was sure if this was proper succession protocol or not. Frosh was especially confused. So, Princess Colin... Uh, can we pick up where your dad and I left off before? Or is it weird now? (laughs) When the knights and the court remembered Frosh was there, they started shouting things like, Traitor! And, Hang him! And, Ooh, I like a bad boy! Do me next, daddy! And, Off with his head! (laughs) And, Death is too good for him! And, Did that guy just say, Do me next, daddy? What the fuck? (laughs) Princess Colin raised one hand to motion for silence. By the king's own words, he was slain by Frosh. He shall now be known as Frosh, the Kingslayer. Frosh could feel the eyes of everyone in the room looking at him. Sweat began to bead on his brow. With a gulp, he weakly said, That's better than Frosh the Backstabber, right? Right? You're damned right, Princess Colin (laughs) decreed. It's the coolest fucking name I, or anyone, has ever heard. (laughs) And the law of our country decrees that the princess shall be married to the bearer of the coolest name. (laughs) Oh boy. Frosh's jaw dropped. But that shall have to wait, because there's a man-devouring god running wild, and I'm only 14 years old. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. (laughs) Uh-oh. Oh boy, Frosh. <laughs> Frosh's jaw snapped back into the upright position. He forced himself to suppress the memory of Colin ever saying she was going to marry him, and chose only to respond to the part <laughs> about stopping Splurge. Your Highness, take me with you. I was the one who resurrected the dead god. I want to be there to help you destroy it. Very well, Frosh the Kingslayer. You shall command half our forces in this battle. Use them well. <laughs> Frosh mouthed the word dope to himself and then bowed. (laughs) Frosh was supplied with armor, a new sword, and a horse, and he and Princess Colin rode out of the castle and the entire fighting force of Gorehub, 300 knights riding at their back. (laughs) The entire fighting force? Yeah. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Frosh. It's medieval. It's pretty big. Frosh really felt like a kingslayer in his sick-as-hell plate armor. However, Princess Colin looked even more like a child in her oversized armor, definitely not meant to be worn by children. Oh my god, she's a child, she's 14. And you know what? It doesn't matter, because marriage doesn't need to be consummated right away anyway, and oh my god! Did I just try to justify child brides? Did. Nope, nope. <laughs> you did. Just focus on killing a god. A much less frightening idea. Frosh said to himself out loud as he looked straight ahead and continued to ride. Princess Colin raised the visor of her helmet and asked, Did you say something? Nope. But I'm hoping we can have some support from elvish forces in our battle. My friend Stan should be meeting us here. He's the one who hooked me up with the griffin mount. Ooh, that could be problematic. If Splurge doesn't kill all humans, then we're still going to be suffering from an overpopulation problem, and I was planning to attack the elves and take their land. Do me a favor and don't (laughs) tell them, okay? (laughs) 
Frosh was beginning to wonder if humans deserve to die out as a species, but he and the princess rode north until they finally reached Field Mice Field, where Splurge was <laughs> still trying to kill all mice. <laughs> he was really struggling and had seemingly grown even more mad since Frosh had passed him hours before. Splurge was now digging up whole patches of earth and devouring it, mostly eating dirt, but every now and then a mouse as well. Every few scoops of dirt, he would dunk his head in the nearby river, take a big gulp of water, rinse, and spit out the muddy, bloody dirt back out. Should we begin the attack now, your highness, while he's still distracted, or should we wait on reinforcements? What do you think? Colin asked. I think we should wait. Then we attack now! No one tells me what to do! <laughs> Before Princess Colin the Rebellious could give the command, however, a voice called out from above. Stan and Sparkles flew down on their griffin and landed next to Frosh. Stan, you made it! Stan hopped off his griffin and with a great big smile from ear to pointy ear, he delivered the news. I bring good news. The dolphins have promised to lend us their aid. That's great. And what about the elves? Sparkles muffled a laugh with his gnarled troll hand, and Stan's eyes went wide with panic. Damn it, Sparkles. I told you it didn't make any sense to ask the dolphins for help. Then why didn't you go to the elves? Sparkles said there was no way that when Tulag the Big told us to unite the two kingdoms, he was being so straightforward as to mean the human elf kingdoms. And since my name is now Stan the Animal Whisperer, I thought it made sense that I would ask the Animal Kingdom for help. Yeah, but if Sparkles misleading tells you, don't go to the elves, then you definitely should. Well, I know that now. Stop yelling at me. Princess Colin raised her sword to the sky and yelled, We go forward without the elves! Knights of Gorehub, attack! All three hundred knights and their horses charged Splurge. When the devourer of mice and men finally noticed the approaching army, he spit the dirt and mouse meat out of his mouth and roared. <laughs> Several knights were thrown from their horses as the horses recoiled from the monstrous sound leaving only the most highly disciplined knights and horses still mounted. Unfortunately, even the bravest knights were no match for the giant. They were smacked from their mounts one by one. Surround him! Frosh yelled to his men. That's a pretty good idea. Have you done this before? Colin said with a wink, making Frosh blush and then hate himself. <laughs> uh... Frosh, the, the pedophile. <laughs> he's, he's not. Oh, boy. <laughs> the knights did as they were commanded. With the monster surrounded, some of the knights were able to land strikes from behind. The cuts were shallow and did nothing to phase Splurge, who turned around, lifted one of the knights off his horse, and bit his top half clean off. Oh, damn. Oof. Splurge took his time to chew through the armor, and each sickening crunch left the onlooking knights more demoralized. When he realized it wasn't going to be easily digestible, he picked the armor out of his mouth and sucked the meat <laughs> out of it like a crab leg. With newfound understanding and fear of what they were up against, many of the knights retreated. One of the knights even took the time to stop and bitch to Colin, I'm not getting paid enough for this shit which was certifiably untrue, because he was being paid just as much as everyone else, and their job <laughs> was fighting monsters and stuff like that. He had obviously been overpaid until now, which is a historically accurate fact about knights, and correlationally accurate about police. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Stan! Why don't you shoot some arrows at it or something? Frosh called out to the elf who, no matter what he did, would never be able to make up for the mistake of his birth. But he nonetheless <laughs> began to... <laughs> but he nonetheless began dutifully firing arrows from atop his griffin. Through some miracle, or simply this universe's overwhelming sense of irony, one of Stan's arrows hit its mark and actually stuck, 
just below the back of Splurge's neck, drawing black, blasphemous blood from the god. Splurge let loose another testicle-retracting cry. (laughs) I did it! Stan cheered. The monster is injured, the princess declared. But not defeated! Do not relent! Frosh looked carefully at Stan's arrow. Why could Stan do what the knights could not? Splurge continued to spin and thrash, easily dismembering the heavily armored knights. With so many men injured, killed, and deserting, the army of Gorhub was greatly depleted. Should we retreat, princess? Frosh asked. No, if we retreat now, Splurge will undoubtedly target innocent civilians next, and our losses will be for nothing. Besides, (laughs) we have him on the ropes! Frosh didn't share the naive confidence of the 14-year-old princess. What did she see that he could not? What about a single arrow protruding from Splurge's back implied any chance of victory? Suddenly, Frosh heard a whisper on the wind. Frosh! Remember who you are. You know what you must do. (laughs) Frosh turned to Colin and drew his sword. Princess, I have a plan. Have your men draw Splurge across the river. And then what? She asked, her eyes bright with the hope Frosh exuded. And then trust me. Okay, just come back to me in one piece, darling. (laughs) I will. Frosh replied before realizing the last word of that sentence. <laughs> it's like when the waiter says, enjoy your meal, and you say, you yeah, too. you too, yeah. And, and people give you funny looks. But in Frosh's case, an outside observer might think he was flirting with a child. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> Princess Colin gave the command, and her knights retreated across the nearby river, their steeds clearing the jump in a single bound. They then turned to face the pursuing monster and resumed their battle. Splurge pursued them hungrily, stepping into the water so the knights would be in reach. With the giant goblin hip-deep in water, his vitals were finally in striking range. Frosh and his horse charged. Everyone began to yell, Go! And suddenly cut-ins appeared on screen of all the protagonists' allies' faces cheering their support. Frosh's horse reached the river and jumped, and Frosh leaped from his horse. Time seemed to slow as Splurge managed to escape the river, but just as everyone thought that Frosh had missed his chance to land the decisive strike, a dolphin leapt from the river and gave Frosh the final push he needed. (laughs) Quah! 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 The dolphin said, and none but Stan understood his words. The dolphins never break their promises. With the dolphin's aid, Frosh leapt through the air and plunged his sword into Splurge's back. With one final scream, the mad god collapsed into the river, and his blood turned the water black and viscous. Frosh too fell in the water, and he swallowed a mouthful. Frosh could see nothing in the pitch-black water, but he knew his vision was fading. Suddenly, he felt a gnarled hand touch his arm grab it, and pull him to safety. When Frosh could breathe and see again, he was greeted by the lovable and sparkling face of Sparkles the Misleading. Well done, Frosh the Backstabber. I'll have you figured out one of these days. No, this is the last time we shall ever meet. The troll wizard tapped his staff on the ground and disappeared in a puff of magic smoke. Ha! See you later, then. Frosh was then rushed by the remaining knights that still had all their limbs, and lifted (laughs) into the air as they cheered his name. The princess and her horse approached the crowd and spoke to Frosh. Frosh the backstabber, huh? Not the worst name I've ever heard. But... Not the coolest, either. That's actually kind of a relief, (laughs) Frosh said with a smile. Frosh the Backstabber was a name that would go down in history in the land of, eh, let's call this world Spurf. (laughs) As he no longer had the objectively coolest name in the land, Frosh didn't have to marry a child. (laughs) He went on to live out the rest of his days in relative peace. He and Sparkles hung out often, 
Unfortunately, <laughs> Princess Colin followed through on her plan to wage a war of expansion on the elves. The humans were ill-prepared for the guerrilla war tactics of the elves, and ended up <laughs> retreating with heavy losses of both knights and conscripted <laughs> farmers. There were such heavy losses, in fact, that Gorhub no longer had any need or ability to expand their territory. <laughs> Don't bother worrying over if it would have been more moral or more efficient to let King Rudy just purge his own citizens <laughs> or for Colin to throw away her people's lives in an unjust and unwinnable war. The real point of the story was how Frosh the Backstabber earned his second name. And now you know. The end. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. Ended up being quite the story. <laughs> yeah! I um one of my goals was to give this one a a, a happy ending. <laughs> Not for Princess last... Colin. She just no. lost her. No. Her, her darling. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh I'm, and I think he that was lost the least his happy voice. ending. <laughs> I mean, he he got a cool name, and he's he goes down in history. <laughs> my my point was the last time we had a mysterious wizard story about somebody that really didn't want to participate. Uh, mm. I ended up just kind of going for the bad ending. Yeah, and and this one, I I wanted something to happen, so yeah, yeah it ended up being quite long because in order to get there. In order to beat the, in order to actually beat the god, <laughs> like that, yeah, that took a yeah. while. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I like how you tied it all back in together, though, to have <laughs> him stab the god in the back. <laughs> yeah, secret super powerful move. Yeah, <laughs> it's super effective. <laughs> the shank. Well, uh, I mean, what do you think? Did um, does it feel like things came together? Like the backstabbing yeah. felt like. Like it made sense, like yeah, like an yeah. evolution of the character. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's what I was going for. <laughs> I really liked how he was cool for a second as well as Frost the Kingslayer. Yeah, <laughs> and then immediately <laughs> back to Frost the Backstabber. He's like, oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> but does that mean that every time he does something, he just gets a new second name? <laughs> well, I think in both of your stories, like. Like, uh, Sparkles was kind of really willing to give him a new name just all yeah. the time. It yeah. was like, how about the the soap stealer? How about <laughs> the... And Adam, your story too, you also mentioned that. That, like, you know, he was trying to get a new name. But the point <laughs> is, Backstabber was what he was. Yeah. And they had yeah, it right no, the first time. Sense. Yeah, and, uh, and not 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 in the uh, metaphorical sense of the word, only in the exact literal sense of the word. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can be quite uh, literal. Imagine sometimes, he I introduces guess. himself as Frosh, the literal backstabber, and please don't ask any more questions. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't betray people. He just he just gets no. blades no, into their he back. Just, uh, yeah, stabs them, yeah. stabs them from behind. Yeah, it happens. My favorite part was the bit in the castle, uh, especially the bit where he's going to get washed and he's like, yeah. he's like, well, I don't want to make it weird, so I'll pick the dudes. Yeah. And then they come in and he's like, no, this is actually weirder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, no, I misread the situation. That... So he really should be called Frosh the Pure. Yeah. yeah. The last time that I was in high school where I had like a physical... Uh, that actually happened to me. Like they, like the nurse took everything else, and then they're like, "All right, we got to do the balls part. Do you want a male or female doctor?" Like the, I don't know if that's everyone's yeah. experience, but that's what they asked me. And I ran through that whole scenario in my head of not wanting to make <laughs> it weird. So I just said, "I don't care." That's the way you beat it. Yeah, yeah, definitely what I would have done if I had ever been asked that. It's a weird question to ask, like, but, a 16-year-old, you know? Yeah, my experience, it's usually just the doctor that does it, not a nurse, so... Yeah, um, well, no, because the, the nurse was taking all the like preliminary the doctor's stuff. Deal with it. Like, yeah. the, the stuff that she could handle, I guess, but then yeah. the doctor had to has, a, has to know more about touching balls. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, when it was a... 
when it was a long story, when it was a long story, I thought about cutting that scene because it didn't progress anything. <clears throat> no, but it's important. But it's nice. <laughs> it's it's chewing the scenery in a way. Yeah, yeah, I guess. <laughs> no, it uh, it feels like it adds a lot of like flavor to like the the whole freaking Gorehub castle and stuff. Yeah, it makes it feel a lot more like a little more lived uh, in, yeah, castley and yeah, a little bit more medieval. Because yep. before, I think the um, the story in Jared's and mine... Well, I mean, mine, they're basically just in the forest the whole time. Yeah. But in Jared's, it feels like ambiguously like early modern, like turn of the century, or could also be like super medieval, but like... Because like there's orphanages. Yeah. Which is like a very <laughs> modern thing. I mentioned that in the part one when he was reading, too, but he... he Jared, you said it was like fantasy so i i think you yeah you intended it to be this kind of time period right yeah yeah like uh sword and sorcery kind of story yeah time like okay. fan just generic fantasy setting but i didn't really think about what time it would be in our reality yeah but fantasy we get it it's gonna look like lord of the rings or something yeah 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 i get it yeah and yeah, that's got varying levels of ambiguous historicalness mm -hmm. yeah so I mean, whatever time it was, but uh, yeah. they they definitely had castles and shit. So oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I I I liked writing that scene, but uh, and so even though it was such a long story, I couldn't cut it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's good. No, yeah, I really liked the uh, interaction between the princess and her father. <laughs> Just the oh yeah, the rebellious teenager, like. Telling him to suck unicorn horns. and <laughs> <laughs> It's one of the really stupid sounding insults I would have thrown at my parents at that age. Like, <laughs> the, Then they would be confused as to whether they should be offended or just ignore me. <laughs> yeah, like she's genuinely mad, but she's also yeah. just dumb as hell, too. So. Yeah, because she's 14, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Just kid, yeah. You're just making up insults. It's like, like that's no one says that. Yeah. That's not a thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, I'm still angry. <laughs> and her dad says like thee and thou, and then she's like, suck a unicorn horn. <laughs> she's like eighties, eighties kind of punk kid. <laughs> Definitely. Exactly. That's why I, I was kind of wondering if they were actually at a Renaissance fair for a minute, but. <laughs> Oh yeah, with the it's actor like of the king. The king yeah. being the princess's actual dad, and she just doesn't want to be there, so she's fucking around. <laughs> <laughs> it's a red fair, and the king is actually her dad. Yeah, yeah. Even worse, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna reveal that she was very young. That that was mm -hmm. the plan, was reveal that she's very young after yeah. that scene. But I, uh -huh. I also wanted it to be able to be given away that, like... If you I mean, listen think, to her, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it came through before it was revealed. Probably younger than around the same age as Disney princesses, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Remember when Elsa said to suck a snowman's nose? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think... I'm I'm not sure. I didn't go through and count, but I think the castle scene was probably the longest. So I guess it mm -hmm. makes sense that scenes from there really stand out more than the others. Yeah. yeah. In order to get them from the altar of splurge to mm -hmm. then a like, because I needed like a MacGuffin in order to win, and nothing had really been established yet, yeah. um, as far as I could tell. So I was like, the only thing, because Frosh has, Frosh has got nothing that he can use to win. So he's going to need, <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, a whole army. So that was in order to get from altar in the middle of nowhere to mm -hmm. having an army. And also, I desperately needed the elf character to, to do something. Because <laughs> he was introduced in your story, Adam, and then he didn't really do anything or like serve any purpose <laughs> to the story so i was like i can't just have him also there cracking jokes the whole time like there needs to be a reason for him to be in the story <laughs> so 
Yeah, it was a, it was a gift that I gave you. Yeah, so I used <laughs> He's him. the ambiguously useful elf. I used him to get the to get the griffins. I was like, that kind of makes sense to me. So now there's a reason for him being there. It was to provide yeah. transportation. <laughs> he yeah, figured he out what the fellowship of the ring couldn't just fly. Yeah. <laughs> I hate when people talk about that being a plot hole. <laughs> Just get over it. Well, it, that and it is explained as to why they wouldn't take the Griffins <laughs> in the book. But also, but, people who complain about that, like, as it's like, oh, why don't they just fly there? It's like, well, you obviously hate fun and stories. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, so my point about, like, the elf, for example, is I'm wondering. Did you guys have a faster way to get to the end, or <laughs> had you had you thought about it? What did you think was going to happen? Kind of would have taken it a similar place, like uh, okay, thinking that summoning the god wouldn't the happy ending they were looking for, you know. But like, yeah. So a couple of my questions then from part one. I think you insinuated at some point that the wizards were working for an organization so in the end i decided mm -hmm. that had to be the king and yeah. that it was on his orders and that they were doing a purge yeah uh, so what kind of organization did you think they were working for and did you think that mice men were real those are my questions no i didn't think mice men were real and okay figured they were working for a king the local king or or something like that. Yeah. So it was a it was a purge for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Using mice men as an excuse to expand their borders against a another kingdom, probably. Ah, uh, okay. I I did the the one planet one alien race thing, where mm -hmm. like the the kingdom of men is united. So I yeah. didn't even think to go to war against other men. I was mostly thinking that the. Uh, the mice men were like a uh, a myth or something like a, that was used as an excuse for the king to, to expand his borders. Like, gotta clear out those mice men over there. <laughs> That's uh, what we'll tell the stupid villagers. Okay, yeah. I so I was yeah. pretty happy because I thought that kind of stuff was pretty well telegraphed. So that's mm -hmm. why I I did that because that's what I thought would happen. Yeah. And so I'm glad that that was right. Yeah. Um, but what about you, Adam? Where did you think the story was going to go at the end of yours? <laughs> at the end of mine, I definitely felt like... So for Sparkles and Tulog, right? Yeah. Uh, I had, I think I might have had like a different feeling of like whether or not they're like dubious. Okay. In my case, mm -hmm. I th I felt like Sparkles was more or less like shitty, unreliable Gandalf. <laughs> I like, I kind of got that feeling from your story. So, but thankfully you didn't do anything In, that cemented like, him yeah. as a good guy. So I was able to yeah, yeah. just be like, okay, well, psych. I was actually <laughs> evil. So yeah, not evil, but on the other team. Yeah. yeah. So like when when Splurge comes back yeah. and is also like the devourer of men right. and mice. Mm -hmm. Then, like, in in the case of my story, my Sparkles didn't know that. Okay. My Sparkles was more of an idiot. No. So. Yeah. So what'd uh, you think? But I do like what you did with that. That's cool. Uh, what, what, what role did you see good, well-intentioned Sparkles and the elf with no name? What did you see them doing? Well, I saw them, hmm. The elf with no name originally, I wanted to have him like reconcile with the other elves. Yeah, because he was kind of like uh, like a super shitty. I didn't have time to put it in the story, but the other elves, to my imagination, were all like jacked, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, like <laughs> kind of dudes. And then this guy's like the one, the, the one, one kind scrawny of like, elf. Scrawny. Uh... Yeah, <laughs> and they're all like, look at this idiot. And uh, they, you know, they're constantly bullying him. And so yeah. his whole motivation is to, like, be worthy or something. Yeah. Um, I I yeah. figured his motivation was also to get a cool name and then go back and marry the girl that he liked. But that that was so much extra that I couldn't include it. So I. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. yeah. That's totally fine. I just that's just like the excuse is like, why is he on the trip? 
And I did, I did expect Tulog to come back and be part of the team. I thought it was going to be like, oh no, well we got two wizards. Yeah. And one guy who likes to shank people. and <laughs> Likes to. Uh, and this elf. And they're going to go kill a god. Okay, so you thought they would be able to handle it. <laughs> yeah, I thought they'd be able to handle it kind of like themselves. Uh... I didn't really see them interacting with like a kingdom, but I didn't really have a clear image as to like how they would deal with it. Sure. Okay. Well, yeah, so like I said, I got hung up on thinking that they needed a MacGuffin or something to help them beat it because uh, I did not see them doing it on their own, especially since I thought Tulog and Sparkles were antagonistic. So I thought we were left with Frosh and the elf, Stan, who mm-hmm. on their own are not going to be able to do it, and I didn't think the wizards were going to help. But if I had kept the wizards on their side, then I could see two wizards and uh and a and a rogue and an archer being able to handle it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh I guess I could see that. Maybe I'd find a a warrior to tank for him. <laughs> that makes sense. But I then I think the part one of the story wouldn't have made sense if uh no. if Sparkles had been well intentioned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, um, I thought he was well intentioned when I wrote him. He just didn't like Frosh. <laughs> oh, but so then he was working for a kingdom to purge the the humans, but yeah, but in a helpful way, <laughs> so, or like he would have helped afterwards anyway. Oh, in this case, um, I feel like so if Fro- if Frosh being helpful. But misinformed from the start, yeah, right. Micemen's not really real. Then that other wizard that they killed right in the in the first story, yeah, that Frosh stabbed him in the back, was actually one of the good guys, which makes that funny. That's what I figured <laughs> was that the eliminator of competition was trying to stop the purge. Yeah. yeah, but his dialogue didn't really work out that way. But now that I'm thinking about it, if we've got Tulog as a ghost, I I. I want to bring him back now and have him participate in the story again as a ghost. <laughs> yeah. But too late now. Yeah. yeah. That'd be funny. Like if wizards don't really die, they just turn into like, <laughs> like magic ghosts. <laughs> yeah. They're Jedi. I enjoyed writing this one. Um, as I always do. I think part threes are nice because I'm able to, to know how it ends. Mm-hmm. So that uh, lets me do whatever I want. And uh, the things I wanted to do were pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. I'm really glad that he didn't marry Colin. <laughs> <laughs> I like Colin, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, she's good. All right. Well, uh, everyone at home... Let me know what how you would have ended the story. You know what? Just in the in the uh comments of this video, just write a whole part 3 for me and let me know what you would have done. <laughs> yeah. Also rate and review, but yeah. You know what? <laughs> Do all of it. I'll see you guys later. Bye. Bye.